All right, here we go. Episode 75 of Nothing to Say, the fans podcast. Sam, it's been a little bit. How's it going? Doing well, man. How you doing? You know what? Not too bad. Uh, for everybody who's listening, uh, our schedule for releasing episodes has been a little wonky, um, just with work schedule and school and stuff, but um, it looks like going forward, we're going to have set days going forward. Now that uh, now that I have a set work schedule, I got a new job, and, and finally it looks like my schedule is now going to be set going forward. So we'll be releasing episodes on a consistent basis on the same day, which is yet to be determined, but it'll probably end up being like Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, somewhere around there. But I just wanted to let everybody know. Um, so, Sam, I, uh, I feel like you sent the Oregon weather to Sacramento because it is uh, it's downpouring right now. I think it's actually pretty nice here. Um, so I don't know what you're talking you wanna, about. You want to send it back, please? Yeah, it's just mostly cloudy here. No, no rain. It'll it might rain Sunday or yeah, Sunday. It's supposed to rain all week here. You know what? California needs it. Yeah, that's true. That's but the that. thing is, but the thing is, as a delivery driver, I'm not really. Uh, Looking forward to delivering in uh, downpouring rain, you know. So you running around with a uh, like a zip up rain? Uh, you, oh, you got a poncho on, and then you put like the packages under the poncho, you know? Yeah, I'm gonna have like, to figure something stre- out. Like, like, clutching it like it's a baby, a newborn. Right. Right. Yeah, Is it'll that... be in- it'll be interesting. I I don't know. I can't tell you. I've delivered in the rain, but not in the pouring rain. So, you know what? They should just. Just call you, say, give you guys a day off due to weather. (laughs) That's really what what? they should do. No packages today, everybody. It's raining. Forget it. Because you know Amazon truly takes care of their employees. Mm -hmm. That's the big thing. 100%. Like, it goes Apple, Google, Amazon for employee (laughs) satisfaction. Right. I am totally and 100% satisfied. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, we have a... Local Amazon delivery driver, Jason Russell. Jason, are you satisfied? Totally and 100%. (laughs) Are these your words or Amazon Corporation? (laughs) Um, I did sign an affidavit that uh, I am liable if I say otherwise. (laughs) I touch my ear. What am I supposed to say? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait. This wasn't in the prep questions. Oh, man, who approved this reporter here? I don't know him. Oh, on page two? Okay, let me just flip. Speaking of that, did you see the interview with Steph Curry after the game? Uh, I think it was a day or two ago where one of the reporters called him Wardell and the look on his face when they called him by his actual first name. No, I didn't see it. Oh, my gosh. He, He looked so confused. It was one of the funniest reactions from a from a player I had seen on just on just a weird it not not only was him calling Steph Wardell which granted is his first name but I, I mean nobody in sports it seems uses that not only was that kind of dumb the question was also dumb he asked I don't know if it was Kelly Oubre but he asked why is Kelly Oubre so good at put back dunks <laughs> and Steph was like because he's a freak athlete I don't I don't know, but 
You can't. I, I don't know. You can't follow up calling him Wardell with a stupid question like that. I th- I think it'd be so funny, especially now. Like it must be harder for these guys to get into these like Zoom meetings to ask these questions because like it's just got to be harder, especially in the Bay Area because that's yeah. such a big market. Uh, I think it'd be so funny to do the trolley questions with athletes. Like LeBron is a tough game, and you just you just ask, "Hey LeBron, um, do you think there's anything going on with your diet that made it so your game was off today? Maybe you should have been eating a little more salads lately. You're looking a bit heavier, right? Oh, do you share the same trainer as James Harden? Is that what it is? Okay, just just making sure. Just wanted that for my readers. Oh, what what publication am I part of? Um, it's a uh, GossipWeekly.com. Pretty fine establishment, right? Be like, did you know that the moon is in the said position tonight? Do you think that affected your play? <laughs> Kyrie, Kyrie. <laughs> so you do believe the Earth is flat? Does that mean the moon is also flat? Right. Or is it more of an elliptical shape? Yeah. Do you guys like triangulate positions based off the flatness of the? I don't know. <laughs> um, Would that yeah. also mean that China is upside down? Right. If the Earth is flat. Right. <laughs> Oh my gosh! These are the hard-hitting questions. Did that, you see that? That's actually a good point. Did you see the Kyrie interview when he first returned? I saw that he was really dull in talking about where he was and what he was doing. Yeah, what do you what do you think about that? You know, I don't know. Um, I guess I really hadn't given it much thought, but um, I don't know the optics. The optics. So I was listening to Jim Rome earlier in the week, and I, he made a good point, just in the sense that if you can't knock him necessarily for being gone, if what he was dealing with was actually family stuff, because if he's dealing yeah. with actual family stuff, then you know I think we all can grant him that you know that's fine. You know, I think you have to give him the benefit of the doubt to assume that it was like he's right. telling the truth. Right. right. However, you have to assume that. However, the optics of the situation are not good and not in favor of that when you have a video of him dancing at a party with, you know, a bunch of maskless people. Now, I think that was a family party, so granted... It was his sister's birthday? Just because you're dealing with potential family stuff doesn't mean you can't have a party. Maybe that was the only time that he could really, like, I don't know, be happy. Right. You know, through this whole thing. Maybe. And, you know, so there's there's part of it where it's like, okay, if that's what you were really dealing with, and I'll, you know, I'll take him at his word, then, you know, I hope that he got it fixed. But, you know, the optics of the situation were a bit, were a bit funky, for, for a little bit at least. I just wish, because he's back now, so... I'll- so we have to assume that the personal situation either has been solved or he missed basketball enough to be back or he's just doing this for a paycheck, which would be awful. But I'm assuming the, the, the two more positive situations, the fact that he showed up and was hunched over hands on or head on his hands, like just thumped over totally like defeated coming off or just clearly looked like he did not want to be there. And then the way he answered the questions, he just totally dodged the questions. Like if he has truly nothing to hide, then he should not have acted 
in that way because it just opens up more questioning right and more skepticism but i think for us i think we're both in agreement. we we take him at his word man we 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 know nothing else we're not insiders so i think media sports media nowadays is looking for that big story when really they're doing athletes a disservice of maybe looking for something that's further from the truth when the truth is sitting there right in front of them. Yeah. I mean, I got no reason to believe that that's not what he was doing. I mean, and that's what he says he was doing. That's what he says he was doing. It was just, you know, one of those things where I can understand why people were, were doubting it in the sense that, you know, maybe the, the party, the party thing wasn't necessarily a good look, but then, like I said, Rome made the good point where it's like, well, that doesn't just because you might be dealing with a family situation, that doesn't mean you can't take time out to do something like that. Not wearing a mask wasn't a good choice and wasn't a good look, but yeah. that doesn't mean that he couldn't go do that. So, yeah, and it's it's just I don't I don't knock him. I knock him for how he presented himself in the interview. Um, he didn't do himself any favors and he certainly didn't do himself any favors how he handled leaving the team by just telling the players, not telling your coach, like not telling your employers that you're leaving. That's kind of, to me, a little, little disrespectful because at the end of the day, this is a business and you're getting paid right? and you have a contract to this team. Right. And we can circle back to the Kyrie thing later because I think there's an interesting conversation that can be had about what the Nets are going to look like going Certainly. Forward. Yeah, with Kyrie. Yeah, the NBA is NBA's got some big question marks. Yeah. Um so I think we can circle back to that uh, in a little while after we after we cover some of the the more pressing football stuff. However, before we get to all of that, um there's no real easy way to transition to this. Um And you but, certainly didn't do it. No, I, I, certainly <laughs> I certainly didn't do it um, in a, like I, well, like I said, there's not really an easy way to transition to this, but it is something that needs to be said uh, to pay respect. Um, Hank Aaron, Hank Aaron um, on January 22nd, which is actually today, the day that we're filming, uh, he passed away today. Um, the baseball legend, baseball immortal, he's, I mean, he's got every pretty much every batting record or held every batting record that you could have um, when he was playing. He made his debut April 13th in 1954. Uh, His last game was October 3rd, 1976. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1982. And I've got some stats on Hank Aaron as well here. There's like a billion in front of me, so bear with me. Um, He made 25 All-Star games. 25. He was the 1956 NL uh, batting champion. He was the 1957 NL MVP. He won the batting title again in 1959, and he won the Lou Gehrig Memorial Award in 1970. He had three back-to-back-to-back Golden Glove Awards from 58, 59, and 60. Where what his career batting average was three oh five, which is really Scorching yeah, for which career. is really impressive. Um, he's third all time in games played with three thousand two hundred and ninety eight. He's second all time in at bats with twelve thousand three hundred and sixty four. 
He's fourth all-time in runs scored, 2,174. He's third all-time in hits with 3,771. In terms of total bases, he's first, 6,856. Second all-time in home runs, 755, although a lot of people, I believe, consider him the true home run champion, as Sam uh, alluded to that before the show started. Uh, He's first all-time in RBIs with 2,297. And yeah, those are those are some of his major major stats. And like I said, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame as well in 1982. 1982. So. This, this goes without saying, but if the term uh, Mount Rushmore of a sport oh, gets yeah. thrown around a lot, clearly on there. Oh, a hundred percent for the in the annals of baseball. Mm-hmm. baseball and what legend. age? Oh, what age did he? Oh, he was. Uh, he was. Let me see. I believe he was eighty-six. Eighty-six years old. Wow, that's a long. I mean, the the culture that that was probably uh, created by baseball. I mean, the guys are traveling around. Uh, Babe Ruth was the epitome of this. Like they're smoking during games, uh, chewing tobacco, drinking. Like these are not the most healthiest people. And the fact that he lived to eighty-six is pretty remarkable. Yeah. yeah. True hero to the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, so sad, sad day for baseball and, uh, and sports fans all around. He was, he's an absolute, he's not just a baseball legend, but he's a sports legend. Like, oh, for sure. I mean, breaking yeah. pillars as an African American. Oh, for sure. Like, he was one of the, well, his 60s, wasn't it? Were you saying that he had his, he's, that he was like, in his prime? Yeah, he started in 1954 at age 20. Yeah, just breaking down pillars as one of the great, great athletes that we've ever seen. Absolutely, he's de- he could he honestly you could consider. I know you mentioned the Mount Rushmore, but he could be considered for a Mount Rushmore of just athletics in general. Truthfully, yeah, going on, off of yeah. <laughs> all the career records that he's top five in. Right, he's nuts. think about think about like and th- for to have as many home runs as he does. I mean, people are hitting home runs left and right now, but to mm-hmm. have all those home runs back then is even more impressive. Yeah, I mean, so there's there's two parts to that, I think. Uh, guys weren't throwing as hard, but think about, like, the technology that has been going on right, exactly. in baseball and, like, uh, the physio that goes into it. Like, these guys, again, are not treating their bodies like current-day athletes. So you would think that current-day athletes are, like, just purely more athletic. And this dude is still hitting with – I mean, I don't know how much a bat has changed because, really, I don't know how much they've improved a wooden bat over the years. But I'm assuming it's probably at least done something, right? Oh, yeah. So he's working with less improved equipment with cleats and, I mean, just – and they're the schedule's harder with – Less days off, more doubleheaders type of thing. Like, the fact that he put up that much, that great of numbers, even against, like, quote-unquote lesser pitching, is remarkable. Yeah, so I got I got another one for you about him. Uh, this is coming from the New York Times. 
He topped 20 home runs a record 20 times in 23 seasons. In 15 of those seasons, he had 30 or more home runs. And in eight of those seasons, he had 40 or more. His first 40 homer season, 44 in 1957, came 16 seasons before his last one, 40 in 1973. He's just one of two players, along with Barry Bonds, to have a 40 home run season after turning 39. Wow. So, and not only was he a great offensive player, but he was a great defensive player. I mean, you mentioned the gold gloves. Right. So, um, he was, he was placed, uh, he played in the fourth most games in right field, 2,178, and ranked eighth in career assist by a right fielder, 179, and 10th in career putouts by an outfielder, 5,539. Yeah. So just an all-around stud. And he was play. did he play his whole career in Milwaukee? Um, let me check. Because so, then he wasn't privy to the DH role. So, so he yeah, was he playing was, like 24 years so, in the outfield. Yeah, so he was with the Braves from 1954 to 1974. And then he went to the Brewers for his last two seasons. Oh, okay. I just remember that, that clip. I mean, uh, if you are ever watch MLB Network, it will probably come up. Uh, when he hits that record, uh, what was it, six six fifty six or 756? Oh, for home runs? Yeah. I think it was... To break Babe Ruth record. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what or to break Roger... I, whichever one it was. Maybe it was probably Babe Ruth's career record, actually. Uh, Babe Ruth's is 714, so it would have been 715. Oh, and he's, like, circling around the bases yeah. in uh, Milwaukee, and, like, the fans are coming out, and yeah. they're, like, giving him high fives, they're, like, getting in his way and stuff. Yeah. I saw that on ESPN today. Yeah, that's like one of the that's like one of the biggest major league baseball moments. Yeah, in history. Yeah, so, Hank Aaron, we'll we'll miss you, man. Absolutely, absolutely. So the sports world lost a legend, uh, but he, uh, he he will definitely not ever be forgotten, especially with those records. So, mm-hmm. um, all right. So moving on. The NFL. We haven't had a chance to sit down and talk about last week's games, but I don't know how relevant they are now. Um, so we can touch on them for a second, but we really got to look forward to a second. to conference championship Sunday. So you all know what happened. Packers won, Bills won, Chiefs won, and the Buccaneers won. We may have seen the last of Drew Brees. We definitely have not seen the last of the Browns. Lamar Jackson, yes, he got that playoff win, the monkey off his back, but he couldn't get back. He threw, oh, man, that interception late in the end zone mm-hmm. against the Bills. That was, as soon as that happened, it was like, nope, there's no way. There's no way. And then Sam and I went back and forth for a long time about the Rams-Packers game. That score is a little bit deceptive, a little bit. Because it was eighteen to Not 20, really. it was eighteen to twenty five with like ten or eight minutes left in the yeah, fourth quarter. It was a one right, possession totally. game. So the Rams put up a pretty good fight for a quarterback <laughs> who only who only had like one thumb operating. So, but now we're moving on to Championship Sunday. We got the Buccaneers 
versus the Packers and Lambeau, and the Bills versus the Chiefs. And Sam, you said something about Mahomes uh, before we started. Yeah, he was announced today that he'll he'll start. All right, so there we go. So I think it's funny because uh, you kind of have the old guard and the new guard, right? Yep. Rodgers and Brady versus Mahomes and Allen. So I that's for you guys. Let me pull it up right here for you. Instagram is not always the easiest with finding this stuff. But here we go. So couple stats for you. This is a weird one. So every 27 years, the AFC Championship is the Chiefs versus the Bills. In 1966, Chiefs-Bills. 1993, Chiefs-Bills. This year, Chiefs-Bills. I thought that was really interesting. Kind of like that Pennywise shows up every, every like, what, 17 years, was it? Something like that. I think it was. So... Here's some stats about Tom Brady and the Green Bay Packers. So the Green Bay Packers have been around for 100 seasons. They have 36 playoff wins and four Super Bowl wins. Tom Brady has been playing for 21 seasons, has 32 playoff wins, just four less, and two more Super Bowl wins at six. So that's just outrageous. (laughs) So not only that, But Tom Brady has twice as many playoff wins, 32, as any other quarterback in NFL history. Joe Montana is the next one on the list. And then here's this one, which I thought was just was outrageous. Tom Brady has more playoff wins than all but five franchises. (laughs) The Dallas Cowboys have 35. Oh. No, the San they're they're tied with the 49ers. Or oh. Yeah. So the Dallas Cowboys have 35 Wait, this year. So? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So you so got the other 3. Patriots have to be on there. Well, yes. Cuz they all they needed was what 3 3 wins outside of Tom Brady. Yeah. You said the Steelers, Dallas. One one. 32 plus. I actually already said it in a different stat. You did? Yeah. Oh, um, the Bills? No, it's Green Bay. <laughs> I just said it a few seconds. Oh, <laughs> that's that's embarrassing. You know what? That's on me. <laughs> oh, it's all good. It's all good. So there's I to read those because I thought that was really interesting. Uh, Tom Brady is a very successful organization just by himself. TB12 so, coming to a which, city near you. Which game do you want to go to first? I want to talk about the Packers, Bucks, or the Chiefs and the Bills? Uh, let's go Chiefs. Chiefs, Bills. All right. What, what do you expect for this game? Just a very broad question. Who do you think is going to win? What do you expect is going to happen? What's going to be the difference in this game? Um, I expect the Chiefs to win. This game should be close. I expect the Bills offense to be rejuvenated after last week. The Baltimore Ravens defense deserves a lot of credit for their run this year. They held the Titans in check and then they went out and put a put up a great showing against the Buffalo Bills. If only they could get some offense. Yeah. Uh the weather will be better in this game, so it should be a high scoring, but I think the Chiefs Definitely have a 
they have more on offense, and I think their defense is better than the the Bills. So it's a good matchup for the Chiefs. Yeah, it's an interesting. Uh, it's, the Bills defense has been peaking at the right time. Um, they've been playing a lot better as of as of late. Um, I don't know. I really, I guess I, I really want the Bills to win. You know, as a Raider fan, I would rather see them than the Chiefs. The thing about it is, is I'm, I, I look at, and I'm going to mention the other game. I look at the NFC game, and I really do feel like the Packers are going to win that game. I, I just, that's sort of, that's sort of how I'm feeling about that game. Yeah. So I'm looking about. So in my head, I'm thinking that the Packers are going to get there. So then right. you, know, you look at – because I don't have a you know a horse in this race, I just want to see the best matchup. And I don't honestly know what would be – Oh, are you gone? Oh, gosh. Jason, can you hear me? Because I can't hear you. But I think the Bills, the Bills have, to me have been playing a lot better than the Chiefs as of recently. And I think the Packers, I think the Packers have been playing better than the Bucks, and I think the Bills have been playing better than the Chiefs. So I think if those two teams met up, to me that would seem like the most intriguing matchup for me. The Bills, yeah. the Bills last week, sort of, sort of, I don't know. I was surprised that they didn't put up more points against the Ravens' defense than they did. So that was a bit of a concern. But then again, the Chiefs only put up 22 against the Browns' defense as well. So both of those offenses got stalled a little bit in their games. So um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's fair because Patrick Mahomes, every time Patrick Mahomes played, they scored on every possession except for a missed field goal. So that offense was rolling, and then he gets knocked out. Well, yeah. I mean, that is true. That is true. Right. But still. Um, and by the way, can we talk about that call from Andy Reid to go for it on fourth and inches? Yeah, I don't even remember the play off the top of my head. It was just – it was a direct snap, obviously, to Henny, and then it was uh, – Hill was out on the right. Hill was out on the right side, and he just rolled out right and quickly threw it to Hill, and then Hill got the first down, slid inbounds. But the fact that they snapped the ball on fourth and inches when they did, where they did, was just outrageous. I I would have put money on them not snapping, not snapping the ball there. And I heard somebody talk about. The Brown, earlier this week about how the Browns in the previous possession before that, if Mahomes was still playing, that fourth and nine when the Browns punted to give the ball back to the Chiefs, they were making the argument that if Mahomes was still playing, then there's no way that the Browns punt the ball because of the fear of Mahomes going down and scoring. They weren't afraid, obviously, of Chad Henney. I don't know why he would be afraid of Chad Henney, certainly not in the same way you're afraid of Mahomes. So they were making the argument that the game could have been a little bit different just based on the fact that Henney was playing and not Mahomes, which I thought was an interesting an interesting uh, idea because I, I wonder how the game would have played out going 
going that way with the Browns hmm. maybe thinking, oh, you know what, Henny's on the other side. Our defense is playing pretty well. Let's stop him, get the ball back, and we'll have a chance to go win uh, with a game-winning drive. And then the fact that they didn't do that, and then Andy Reid having the balls to to call that play and run it with Chad Henney, I thought was just I thought was outrageous. And for somebody who doesn't necessarily like the Chiefs, I obviously don't hate them. The only reason why I don't like them is because they play in the same division as the Raiders. But I thought that was one of the coolest plays I had ever seen. I was I was just I stood up after that play and was like, I cannot believe they just snapped that ball. <laughs> Hey, Chad, you got to give Chad Henney props, though. You got to give Andy Reid props. Um, the dude hadn't played uh, a playoff game ever. Comes in in the third quarter, I think it was. Third quarter. Uh, and he played pretty well. Steadied the ship and just really sought that team to a victory. One of the big questions going around earlier this week, and I know this is not necessarily relevant anymore because but just for you know for hypothetical sake do you think the chiefs would have had any chance in this game if mahomes wasn't playing ooh um realistically no i don't think they win i think there's less than so right now i'm i'm on uh uh google and it's giving me this uh, 60% likelihood that the chiefs are going to win right so if i take mm-hmm. that same logic i'd say probably 85% favorites towards the Bills if Chad Henney is starting. Really, you think it's that big of a swing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, see, I, I actually heard more arguments for the Chiefs winning than I thought I was going to when there was the assumption that Henney was going to play, just based on the fact that the Chiefs have all these weapons. They have Andy Reid, they have Eric, Eric Bieniemy, and all that other stuff. And I, I thought that was interesting because if Mahomes wasn't playing, there, there were, there were, I would not have given the Chiefs any chance to win that game. The Bills are playing too well. I think they they looked. Hmm. Actually, I don't want to say that because I'm not 100 percent sure. What team do you think looked better last week? Do you think the Bills looked better? Or do you think the Chiefs looked better? Uh, Chiefs with Mahomes definitely looked way better. Yeah. They were controlling that game against Cleveland. Then again, well, I mean, I think the Ravens are definitely a better all-around team than the Browns are, for sure. So, the Bills uh, shutting down Lamar, and their offense really not doing anything spectacular, um, is a little worrisome. But that their defense stepping up and shutting down Lamar is a good sign. Right. You know, and <laughs> so I believe the Bills lost in like every major category and still won the game. Mm-hmm. So the Ravens had 340 total yards. The Bills had 220. The Ravens had two more passing yards. So granted, those were Wait, the, even. the Bills had but, 220? Uh, yeah, the Bills had 220 total yards, and yeah. Stefan Diggs had, what, 106 in the game? He had, yes, 106, eight receptions, one touchdown. That's, that's so... <laughs> right? Uh, the Ravens had 150 yards rushing. The Bills only had 32. The Ravens had more first downs. The Ravens completed more third downs. They ran 18 more plays. Well, they had just longer drives. 
Right. Well, and yeah, they so to give credit to that, they had the ball for thirty-five minutes, and the Bills had the ball for twenty-four minutes, and the Bills still won because they turned they won the turnover battle, right? Right. Exactly. Um, which is interesting in the sense that going into this week, if their defense can continue that type of play that they had against the Ravens, against the Chiefs, and their offense clicks that week. I don't know. I give the Bills a really good chance to so win that who game. who you got winning, Jason? Am I picking with my head or my heart? You can pick with whichever body part you want to pick with. You can pick with your leg I wanna... if you want. <laughs> All right, I'll pick with my earlobe, and I'm going to say the Bills. I want Maybe it's just because I want the Bills to win, and I'm trying to will it to happen. Um, one thing about Mahomes this week, too, is that he was his toe, his toe was uh, see, a big see, concern Jason, in the last game as well. Now you're thinking with your toe. I yeah. asked you this. <laughs> um, you, are you picking with your earlobe or your toe? My earlobe. Okay. I'll go okay. with the Bills. <laughs> now you mentioned the turnover battle with battle with the Bills and the Chiefs. For the Bucks and Packers game, Tom Brady is 18 and 0 in the playoffs when his team wins the turnover battle. How many turnovers did he have against New Orleans? Let's see. Maybe none, but he didn't play that well. No, he didn't play all that well. He did not throw any interceptions. Okay. Um, however, when when the Packers and Bucks played each other earlier in the year, week as six, you all might, yeah, as you all might recall, the that was the game. <laughs> That Aaron Rodgers threw 16 for 35, 160 yards, and two of his only five interceptions this season, which is mental, by the way. So, you know, history says as long as Tom Brady's team wins the turnover battle, it can be 7-6, to six, it doesn't matter, then they're going to win the game in the playoffs. So... The Packers have to be conscious of that stat. You know what? We can we can go back because the that week six game, um, I think is very, I think it illuminates a lot. First off, both these teams are different from back then. Tampa's Absolutely. Tampa's defense isn't playing as well as it did back then. I think they've been their secondary has been exposed a little bit more as this season has gone on, and that's been shown to be a weakness of that team. Their front seven is. Uh, as legit as any other team in the league. I think they have one of the best uh, linebacker duos in Levante David and um, what's his name? Devin White. Devin White? I believe it's, yeah, yeah. Devin White. I'll double check for you, but I believe it's I think Devin those White. two, against the run especially, are just studs in there. So Aaron Jones is going to have a tough day, right? But they still have A.J. Dillon, Jamal Williams, who are a little more of power backs that might do a little bit more. But this is this game is going to be one through the air, and if Aaron can limit his turnovers because that was the big thing in week six. They were dominating that game, dominating 10-0, right? Totally in control of the game. And then Aaron gives up targeting Devontae Adams, gives up a pick six, totally changes the complexion of that game, and Tampa Bay never looked back. But there's a recipe in there. They were holding Tom Brady. It looked like Tom Brady didn't know how to play football early in that game with how well the Packers defense was playing against them. So if they can, if there's the Packers offense can limit their turnovers and and be efficient as they have been for most of this season, 
they should get these this win in Lambeau Field. Yeah. So I don't know how much of a how much this changes necessarily the game, but Antonio Brown has been ruled out for the game. Oh, I think that's huge. It's just one less guy so, that the Green Bay Packers defense has to worry about. Right, and the reason why I was saying that was because, you know, let's take it back to, let's just go back last week. Let's see how much, I mean, Antonio Brown had just started to get into a rhythm, it seemed like, with the offense, but I wonder, I don't remember what his numbers were last week. He was one for 10, but I think he may have, I think he picked up the injury last week, so I don't know if that's yeah, he did. super telling. Um, I might have to jump back a week before that, which would be the game against Washington. And that game, he had two catches for 49 yards and one touchdown. So, I mean, that's a big that's a big help for. Well, do you think do you think that that helps Green Bay more or hurts Tampa more? Hmm. That's interesting. Um, oof. Well, I think that's kind of answering the same. You're, those are kind of the same thing. I feel like. Right, a little bit, but I mean, just which way would I mean? I get what okay, you're saying, so I, but I leaning think it helps Green Bay more because there's this offense is a little less explosive, right? Now all they have to worry about is Mike Evans and Scotty Miller running deep on them realistically, instead of Antonio Brown um, just getting away as the third option. But Tampa does have – don't they have a rookie – what's his name? Do you have their – Tyler Johnson? Yeah. Who can just slide into that role that Antonio Brown was playing for them? So I think it doesn't hurt them as much, but it definitely helps Green Bay narrow in on Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Gronk. Mm-hmm. And the, and I didn't realize – I didn't realize Chris Godwin was only 24 years old. Oh, he's a stud. How old is Mike Evans? He's old. Definitely older. Oh, he's 27. I thought he was older than that. I thought he was 29. Yeah, I I thought he was almost So what's your your gut tell you? Let's go to a different body part. My gut gut is telling me Green Bay is going to win this game. In your head? My head is telling me that Green Bay is going to win this game. I feel way more confident about this one. The heart, the heart is telling me the Raiders should be playing. <laughs> if we just had so, a different defensive coordinator, we'd be in this position. Oh man, but I, I feel much more confident about the Packers in this game than I do about the Bills, and maybe it's just because you know I'm I'm picked the Bills because that that's the matchup I want to see. I want to see, you know, Rodgers versus the Bills now. Rodgers versus Allen or Rodgers versus Mahomes, I feel like either one is a good matchup. Brady versus Allen or Brady versus Mahomes, I also feel like it's a good matchup. So regardless of what happens, I feel like the matchup in the Super Bowl is just it's it's going to be it'll be great. I don't think there's no there's no matchup in my mind that seems unappealing. Yeah, not like last year, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> so Jason, oh, I got a question for you, man. Who's the hottest team in the NFL right now? Who's the hottest team in the NFL? Well, I'll tell you, the Detroit Lions and their head coach would tell you, (laughs) Dan Campbell would tell you that they're the hottest team in the NFL right now. Did you hear his press conference? No. 
I don't I don't really listen to the I know like we're supposed to like keep up to date on sports, but I just can't be asked about the Detroit Lions. Oh my god, his opening press conference. Did he call him a super so... team which is young? No, he said he said the team is gonna be built like the city. Like I can't I can't tell you gritty, verbatim what he said. Gritty, nice and well, dirty. No, but he was like bankrupt? He's like, you're gonna knock Ooh. us. He's like, you're not They're gonna get high in the luxury <laughs> tax. That's what it is. He's like I think he was like yeah, we're, you'll knock us down, and then on our, on our way up, we're going to bite your knee, your kneecap <laughs> off, <laughs> and then we'll stand up, and then it'll take two more hits to knock us down, and then on the way back up, we'll bite your other kneecap off, and then we'll stand back up, and then once we get ba- and then once you knock us down, we'll stand back up and take another chunk out of you, and by the end of the day, we'll be the last one standing. <laughs> uh, have you seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Uh, yes. Do you know? You remember the? Uh, I think it was like the Black Knight or something. He like got his arm chopped off, and he was like, "Hey, where are you going?" Like, <laughs> and then you, you just, yes, you just get exactly. kept getting limbs cut off. Exactly. <laughs> oh man, it was it was one of the weirdest press conferences I had ever heard. And again, when I was listening to Jim Rome, he was like, "I wonder what the interview process was like, and if, if he said that to the team, to the team owners, like when he was interviewing, and be like, when they were asking, like, so what do you, what do you uh, want to do in terms of establishing a culture? And he's like, oh, culture, well, like I'll just get a lead pipe and I'll start beating everybody. Hey, coach, what's the oh. deal? Where's all the footballs? Footballs. This is the first day of practice. Everyone, yeah, get what along. do you mean? <laughs> Oh man, yeah, it was it was it was pretty funny. So, again, I have to I have to ask who's the hottest team in the NFL. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I feel like you're about to tell me. Oh, I think it's the Packers. I think we're both more sure that the Packers are going to win, and that's just because of how they've been playing as of late. Well, I think their quarterback. I think Aaron Rodgers is directly directly related to that. I, I feel he's been playing the best by far. And it's funny because somebody somebody had mentioned earlier this week on ESPN that the top four MVP candidates, maybe, you know, the only other one that you could say might not be in the conversation is Tom Brady. You might be able to slide Derrick Henry into that conversation. But oh, yeah. at least at least the guys that might finish one, two, three, Rodgers, Mahomes, and Allen mm-hmm. are all still playing. Yeah. So and t- and then you have Brady, who's just you know immortal. So in terms of quarterback matchups, it's just immortal. It's, He's yeah, from a in different terms of quarterback. Planet. Right, exactly. It just it, like the quarterback matchups and storylines here are are awesome. Do you think where Tom Brady's from, you know, like a different planet? Do you think that planet is also flat? Could be. Could be. I don't know. That's what that's what they call in the show business a callback, folks. <laughs> yeah. As long as his uh, as long as his supermodel wife is there, I think he's fine. Oh, she's definitely from a different planet. That's the only explanation. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So I have to ask you as we move on. We stay in the NFL, but I have to ask you because uh, I know the man is a little bit near and dear to your heart. Uh, your boy Robert Sala got hired in New York as the New York Jets head coach. What do you What do you think about that? Um, first off, 
Robert Saul is probably one of the nicest dudes in the NFL. I think he's so highly respected, uh, did wonders for this organization. I think he was a huge contributing factor of establishing a culture and a winning culture. And I, we just have to go back to last year. The 6-10 and 10 49ers are playing their hearts out on defense for no reason whatsoever other than Robert Sala is just a leader of men. I think he's the best way <laughs> to describe Robert Sala. Uh, mm-hmm. He's young. He's, he's youthful. He, he's already established as a great defensive mind in this league. Jets, he will just turn that culture around. I mean, think of polar opposites. Adam Gates, no <laughs> way he can, mo- he can't motivate like an Olympian to go out and win gold, something that they've been trying to do for, for their whole entire lives. Like he would make Usain Bolt run, walk in a race. If Adam Gates <laughs> was his trainer and Robert Sala could motivate a rock to levitate and move and, like break through the earth's surface. That's the polar opposites that the Jets have on the have on their hands. And I think it's it's great for that that uh organization, especially if they're looking to bring in a say Justin Fields or hold on to Sandra, whatever it is. I think that's great for their organization. Um every single player that has played for him has just given him uh raving reviews. And I wish him nothing but the best man he we knew this day was coming because he is just so extremely talented and well respected in the league so i i have no ill wills towards him for leaving so i'll just take you through all for everybody here who hasn't been keeping up today all the coaching hires that have been made recently so the jacksonville jaguars hired urban meyer his previous role was ohio state head coach from 2012 to 2018 Mm -hmm. You have the Detroit Lions, who hired Dan Campbell. He was the New Orleans Saints assistant head coach and tight ends coach from 2016 to 2020. The Los Angeles Chargers, they hired Brandon Staley. His previous role was the Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator, Mm -hmm. which is a bit interesting. Yep, That was a bit interesting of a hire. The New York Jets, obviously, we just mentioned, hired Robert Sala. He was the defensive coordinator for the 49ers from 2017 to 2020. And then the Atlanta Falcons hired Arthur Smith, who was the Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator from 2019 to 2020. So out of all of those, who do you think got the best uh, got the best hire? Oh, I think it's no doubt the best, the guy that's kind of not the most immediate success, but I think will be the best hit coach is Robert Sala. I agree. Um, I, I think he agree. was the the key, like the biggest chip in this coaching free agency. I it's a shame that the Chargers. We have no idea how much effort or how much they put in to getting him, but they should have put all their chips down to get Robert Sala because he would have been perfect for that team. Getting so, getting the Rams defensive corner. I think he'll have success. I I don't. I'm not super familiar about about him, really. Yeah, so I'm on uh, CBS Sports right here, and they have a little bio. They have a little bio about him. If you want me to read it real quick, um, at least the the coaching experience ones, um, like the short one. 
It says, to be fair, his Rams his Rams defense was really good, ranking number six despite the uh, trusty Phillips departure, and he's mm-hmm. drawn rave reviews as an up and coming leader. And then, but it says you have to consider the situation in L.A. Arguably needing an offensive minded head coach more than anything else with young Justin Herbert emerging as a quarterback. If Staley can bring aboard a top-tier coordinator, that's great. But what happens when and if an OC departs in a year or two? We're supposed to believe that Staley is the key to unlocking Herbert's upside because dot, 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 he played quarterback in high school? Question mark. He may prove us wrong, but this feels like a bit of a stretch at a crucial transition period. So I think it is a little bit interesting that the Rams hired a defensive guy when the yeah, Chargers. They do have the Chargers. I'm sorry. I said Rams because he was previously with the Rams. Mm-hmm. The Chargers hired Staley because of the fact that they do have Herbert. And it would have made, I don't know, on paper, it seems it seemed to have made sense to hire an offensive-minded head coach. They're right in the sense that if he brings in an offensive coordinator that can unlock that potential, then fantastic. There's no big deal there. But, you know, if you do have an OC who comes in and lights the world on fire – He'll probably get head coaching offers in a year or two. I just don't agree with that idea. That's the same ideology, I feel like, that got Adam Gase hired in New York. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Because he was supposed to unlock and be the quarterback guru of Sam Darnold. I think you just hire the best guy. Hear me? Did I cut out? For like half a second. Ridiculous, dude. (laughs) <laughs> but like I was saying, and um, Doug Peterson, too. He's he was supposed to be a quarterback guru, extraordinaire that that could work so well with Carson Wentz, right? And we saw how that ended up. I think you got to just get, if anything, a guy that will be able to lead a team. I don't think you need someone that needs to be exceptional at one facet of the game, either defense or offense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's if they are a great leader and they're an exceptional offensive mind or defensive mind, then great. But that's why you have defensive and offensive coordinators. These guys are there for a reason. I like the hire if they believe in this guy. Uh, and secondly, what's the potential that you're unlocking further with Justin Herbert? Like the dude is already a top 10 quarterback in this league, Right. Yeah, he, I, he, honestly, he was better than Joe Burrow this this year. Easily one of the best rookies, and this dude is getting, probably getting quarterback training in the off season from someone else anyway. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna have an OC that can work with him as long as you make sure it's the same type of scheme that he had success in, which can easily be worked out. Then I think Justin Herbert can have success if you're trying to shore up the rest of the team because the Chargers. Offense was not the problem. So why would you add an offensive mind to improve something that was not the problem anyway? Like that defense and that special teams was the biggest problem. And if this guy can right. can fix that or improve it in some way, this team could be a playoff team. Right. And it's funny because you had mentioned Adam Gase, and I, I continued reading CBS's um, – because the the article that I have right here is they're grading the coaches hires, and the only the only organization that got an A grade was the Jets, and they have a little thing on Gase right here that's saying, 
Whereas Adam Gase was quirky, supposed offensive mind coming from another subpar head coaching gig, Sala is an intense, player-friendly defensive coach entering his first job atop a staff. If you're a Jets fan, though, the 180 should be embraced with open <laughs> arms. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I honestly, I mean, obviously, I hope they all have great success as uh, head coaches, although the Chargers, if they could be a little bit worse than the Raiders, that would be fantastic. I'd much appreciate that. Uh, but Robert Sala, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to see what he can do with the Jets moving forward because he just – everything I've heard about him, he just seems like an awesome guy. Oh, yeah, dude. I think he would be – like player-friendly friend, player is such a great description of what he is because even uh, – on the Pat McAfee show, DeForest Buckner was on. Current Colt, he was traded away from the Niners. Um, he was raving. Like, he thinks of Robert Solomon as a like a close friend type uncle type, more so than like separated mm-hmm. as like a coach or boss type, you know? And I think right. that's the thing that he can just create in New York. No, I, I get that. I get that. Now, Speaking of New York, there has been rumors about where Deshaun Watson is going to end up this offseason. Now, he could very well stay in Houston. And if you are Houston, you need to do whatever you possibly can to try to keep him. Let's just make that abundantly clear. You need to see if you can repair that relationship. However, if you cannot then the question about where Deshaun Watson is ending up is a very interesting one. I am on Sports Illustrated right now, and they have an article up right now that is top 10 landing spots for Deshaun Watson. So I'll read them out to you, and you tell me what you think. We'll start at number 10. Number 10, Denver. Okay. Number which I would shoot my. Face <laughs> <if> that happened. <laughs> you would go out to your garage, drop a forty-five plate on your foot, <laughs> and be like this. And honestly, I wouldn't flinch because I'd be like, "This doesn't hurt as much as knowing that he's coming to our division." <laughs> I need to wake up from this dream. Drop. <laughs> All right, number nine, Washington. Great spot. Number eight, Chicago. Yeah, good spot. Number seven would be Las Vegas. <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> that, that's interesting. Yo, if I'm John Gruden, I'd take, I'd take that. I mean, t- you might Derek as well. Hurst, like, he's all right, but he's not Deshaun Watson, obviously. Listen, yeah, there are very like I love Derek. I love Derek. But if the Raiders really did have an opportunity to go get Deshaun Watson, then you need to go Deshaun get Deshaun Watson's <laughs> top five quarterback right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Number six, New England. Yeah. God, would, wouldn't that wouldn't that be like just – that would piss me off. I think that would piss a It'd lot be of people off. better than the Broncos, right? Yeah. Number five would be New Orleans. Yeah. Talk about an embarrassment of riches for both the New England Patriots. That and would be fair. That Saints. really would be fair if he went to New Orleans. I think Michael Thomas, Deshaun Watson, Alvin like we'll Kamara, talk about. Taysom we'll Hill. talk about a couple of places, but 
like that would be one of them that it's just like really he's just left and now you're getting Deshaun Watson to slide in like can this franchise not be this lucky right so yeah I don't know that but that that would that would feel like uh James Harden going to Brooklyn just in a sense that like they already have two big stars yeah on except that for team. the Saints to play defense a, now you're adding a third Right. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Number four is Pittsburgh. Man, that's another one. This Yeah, if and obviously that all hinders on Big Ben. The bidding war for Deshaun Watson. Like Houston might be I looking know. at owning like eight plus first round picks from a team. Which would be phenomenal for them because they don't have anything. <laughs> yeah, they gave away uh, their first round picks for Laramie Tunsil, right? Yeah. Let's see. He, like, we, I know Deshaun Watson is, we just said it, a top five quarterback. But if you get eight first round picks, not not just this year, but like over, spread out over this, like your decade is made from a team. Yeah. They need, they need, they need. And they went four, they need Deshaun Watson. They went more, four and twelve but, with Deshaun Watson. So they're obviously in rebuild mode. Right. Oh man, I think you I think you take it. If you can get, if you can swindle a team, say like the Saints, Pittsburgh, Niners, Colts, into eight first round picks, I'd take it. For one player. Mm-hmm. So number three is Miami. Which would be interesting because if Houston didn't want to use one of their picks on a quarterback, maybe they could uh, figure out a way to negotiate Tua coming to Houston in return. Oh, man. And Miami's got a plethora of draft picks coming Mm -hmm. up. They also have a great team right now anyway. Mm -hmm. They would be set for a long time. Do you do that if you're Miami? I would rather have Deshaun Watson than Tua. I'd rather have Deshaun Watson than 95% of the quarterbacks. Would you rather have Deshaun Watson than your draft count? Because we don't know what Tua is, right? No. This could have just been like a Jared Goff first year. And then he just lights it up next year. Yeah. Hmm. So number two is San Francisco. Yeah, no surprise there. And then number one is New York. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. The team that I'm surprised is not on the list is Indianapolis. Now, this article was put Bef- out before. Yeah, before Philip retired. Yeah, Philip announced his retirement. And I'm sure if they would have known that, they would have put Indianapolis on this yeah. list. But the Colts, the Colts would be in the top five. I, yeah. I think they'd be higher than Pittsburgh. Yeah. Pittsburgh was four. Yeah, maybe. I think personally, I think the Colts would be the the best destination for a Do explain, Jason. I explain in this. Right. The Colts the Colts play in a dome, so your home I mean, your weather is not a fact. They play, yeah, they play a dome. Like again, I don't know what else you want me to say. Like, if you're a quarterback, I feel like that's 
Now, granted, some quarterbacks might like playing outdoors. I know Aaron Rodgers loves playing in the cold. But I feel like for a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, who is coming from a dome, it'd be, I don't know, easy to make a transition to another dome. Now, they have a great head coach. They have some weapons on the outside that they can work with. They have a phenomenal offensive line. And their defense is really good as well. I feel like you're stepping into a really good situation in Indianapolis. Maybe one of the more complete situations in the NFL. The next one on the list, I would say, would be San Francisco. I think you're stepping into a very good situation there. I understand the Jets thing because there are... I think the Jets is the likeliest spot. I think the Jets is the likeliest spot, too. Sports Illustrated put also at the beginning of... uh, this, there are three things working against the Jets as far as they can see. One, there's an absurdly high state income tax. Two, there's a lack of available weapons. And three, there's a new head coach and thus an unknown culture. Yeah, I think it's pretty known culture, but yeah. But the Jets can offer the most, which is, I feel like, why they're saying is the number yep. one destination. They have that most cast base, don't they? By far, probably. Mm-hmm. So, and here's what it says. It says, here's what makes sense for Houston. The Jets have a pair of first-round picks in 2020 and a pair of first-round picks in 2021. They have multiple third-round picks in 2021 and multiple fifth-round picks in 2022. So there isn't a better team poised to make a run at Deshaun Watson. Jets have the second pick. So they could just swap and then get Justin Fields this year? They could, or they can send him Sam Darnold. Yeah. Although Sam Darnold might end up in Indianapolis if the Jets decide to go for Raven. a quarterback. Yeah. Hmm. And like you mentioned, they mentioned here, plus the number two pick to draft his competition and ultimate successor if they needed to. Yeah. So what do you think is the most likely situation – and where do you think – well, actually, I don't even think that's a fair question because we don't really yeah. know. But what do you think would be the best the best situation? So what, what I would put – the highest probability that I think he would, he would end up somewhere is New York. Like for the reasons you just said, they have the most draft capital. And uh, really, I think they have the most desperation, I think is the best way to put it, to get Deshaun Watson more so than these other teams. Uh, the best situation is between – Indianapolis and San Francisco, I would, and it's going to be just so like 49er biased, but I would lean towards San Francisco, especially if they are able to re-sign Trent Williams, which is a big key because that shores up more of the offensive line than if he's gone. Uh, they have better weapons than Indianapolis and Brendan Ayuk, Debo Samuels, and George Kittle, who I think everyone forgets about, but he's one of the best tight ends in the league. Uh, and then a just phenomenal run game, one of the best run, running teams in the league two years ago. So that that offense is shored up. The defense, coming back, they played well even without Bosa, DeForest Buckner, or, or yeah, DeForest Buckner, um, Richard Sherman most of the year, and he's gone. So they need to get cornerbacks. But if they're able to get – Watson, I think that defense shapes back into form, at least with the pass rush, to be 
to hold teams to within 25, and then that offense is going to score 35-plus. Mm-hmm. And it's in the NFC, which is you don't have to deal with Mahomes and Josh Allen for the next next decade, which is a huge plus. Like that, I feel like for, if I'm Deshaun Watson, I'd want to get out of the AFC and go to the NFC because the Saints are going to be falling out. Tampa Bay eventually, if Tom Brady will ever decide to retire, will be falling out. And the Packers eventually will be. I mean, we're talking about aging quarterbacks in the NFC that are still doing it. Well, the Saints wouldn't be falling out if they got Deshaun. No, but if if the Niners were to get but you're But yeah. right, you're saying, yeah, you're saying the Niners. Um, I heard an interesting idea about the 49ers and like the trade packages that they could offer. And since you're a resident 49er fan, I have to ask if, because they were making the argument that who is tradable on the 49ers and who is not. Right. And they were saying that pretty much the only person that is not tradable is George. No, what? is George Kit is George Kittle. You don't trade Nick Bosa for Deshaun Watson. So I'll ask you this: if if Nick Bosa was the kicker to let to make the trade go through, would you, as the fan, let's say you were executive Sam, are you are you yeah are you? in a position where you would feel comfortable giving up Nick Bosa and maybe a draft pick or two. Well, how many? How many are, that, that's, that's a big deal. How many draft picks? How many first-rounders? Well, Nick Bosa, I think, would, would be – okay, so let's see. San Francisco has two first picks in 2021 and 2022. So let's say you had to give up two first-round picks plus Nick Bosa. For Deshaun. And Jimmy Garoppolo. And Jimmy Garoppolo. You just throw Jimmy in for the deal? Because you will just swap yeah. one for one QB. See, the tough thing is, man, I think you have to. Because the quarterback position is the most impactful, and we're talking about a top five quarterback, right? So that offense yes. becomes one of the best offenses in the league. That defense would be so poor. <laughs> At least you get to keep Fred <laughs> Warner, I guess. But like, you have to hit in the draft with a defensive lineman, and they still they still need cornerback help. Like this draft for them, I I say they do nothing. Personally, I say they do nothing. Oh, really? Jimmy Garoppolo is more than capable to get this team to the Super Bowl, right? I don't think you got to put mm-hmm. push the panic button at all if you're a Niner fan. They need DB help and potentially D line or O line. I think that's the biggest things. But cornerbacks and safeties are the biggest priority for this team. Gotcha. Yeah, I thought I thought it was an interesting, an interesting proposal, an interesting idea. But if you're Houston, why would you want that? Because they can't draft a quarterback this year. Well, if you're Houston, what you want is to keep Deshaun Watson. Let's just be let's just be perfectly clear that about that. Like if he is truly I don't know. that upset at, in Houston, which I would be, <laughs> being part of that I mean, organization. He, all, all indications are pointing to the fact that he is exceptionally unhappy. 
So I don't know if you can repair that relationship, but you got to try. You have to try. You have to get a. What do you think of the idea of getting a coach that Deshaun Watson signs off on? Do you think that's even fair for a player to garner that much decision making within an organization? Um, like, in what industry are you choosing your boss? I mean, that's a that's a good that's a good question, but you are. I don't know. You. You are talking about a generational type player in Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I mean, I think Dabo Sweeney called him like a Michael Jordan of the NFL. So, yeah, because you're opening the door for, I don't know, maybe a power struggle between the quarterback and the organization. But it's a good question. It's a great question. I feel like is it a one time is it a one time situation where you just where because of everything that has gone on you have to you have to take Deshaun's like I don't know maybe maybe you don't let Deshaun make the final decision necessarily right. but you go but you go Deshaun you need to tell us. What two coaches you want? Whoa. Which two coaches? I don't even know about which, that. No, no. Well, no, well, no. Wait, which two coaches would you be happy with? Like, or which which three? Maybe give us three options. Let us go interview. We'll make the de- final decision, but we would like your input on these three guys. I I think I I think you would switch it or reverse that. So you have three of your top candidates and you ask Deshaun what he thinks about those three. Okay. That's fair. And if he is literally just going to say, you know what? None of them, then you can't Yeah, You just, you just can't give that much power to one player. Like I think the, the thought is that, Deshaun Watson is held hostage in Houston because of how bad they are and that he he signed this massive contract. Right. It would be equally terrible if he held the franchise hostage, determined all these different things. And is that fair to the rest of the players? Like a J.J. Watt, that you've been the face of this franchise before Deshaun Watson even was in Clemson that you don't even have that power, but now another guy has it. And he's determining decisions that directly impact you and your financial well-being. It's just not fair. No, I, I understand that. I understand that it's, it's just a bad situation all around. It just got so messy. Yeah, all around, and it feel like it imploded really quickly, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I know. Which side? It had to have been Sean's side that put all this out. Yeah, because if you're yeah. Houston, there's no way you want all this information out. No, but it's just like it just it happened so fast. <laughs> <laughs> it all happened so fast. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It'll be it'll watching what he does 
this offseason is going to be very interesting. Now, I also heard that maybe, maybe that, and Aaron Rodgers came on, I think, the Pat McAfee show, and or I don't know if it was the Pat McAfee show or just he got interviewed th- earlier in the week. And he said that his future, he called his future a beautiful mystery. Those were his I words. I think that's probably the Pat McAfee show. And somebody, somebody had mentioned the idea that if this is his last season with Green Bay, it probably won't be his last season in the NFL. Yeah. So where would he go after that? And somebody was like, well, you know, <laughs> he grew up a 49er fan. I don't think he would, though, because they, they like, like, I feel like he might take it personally that they didn't draft a number one, and for that reason, he wouldn't come back. I, I could see that, too. That's what I think. I could see that too. I don't even want to entertain the idea of Aaron Rodgers stumbling onto a San Francisco 49er roster. Let me ask you just hypothetical. Who would you rather have? Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson? Yeah. Oh, Aaron Rodgers. No really? doubt. I'm kind of surprised. Really? I mean, one's, one's going to be a three-time just... league MVP. Well, just in the sense that Rodgers might only have a few more years left, and while Deshaun has like fifteen. But I feel like Rodgers is more of a guaranteed championship than Deshaun is. So I, I'd rather sign up for the Peyton Manning experience in Denver than (laughs) the. uh, I don't even think there's ever been. There's literally never. I, I feel like there's never been this young of a player in Deshaun Watson, this good that is potentially on the market. Oh no, 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 no. I agree. Hmm. And you don't have to give up anything it, it could... for Aaron Rodgers because he might sign in this hypothetical That's situation. True. That's true. That's very true. So, well, <laughs> I guess all we can do is wait. <laughs> I don't really have anything else to say other than I. I mean, I'm really all we. Man, can we do got it. We got some great matchups this weekend, though. We Both really these do. games hopefully will be great. Mm-hmm. Time for the NBA. Um, uh, we I only got a little bit of time left because I got to get going. I got drilled this weekend, so I got to get my stuff Where ready. You, you leaving weekend, right now? I I'm heading out right now, but. Um, However, we can talk about the NBA for a small midget of a second. Did you just what do you think about that? <laughs> I was going to say something stupid. Did I... I didn't say midget. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was going to be like, wow, you just used the M word on <laughs> No, I said midget. M I G G I N. Enunciate. I did enunciate. Maybe you should listen. It's really hard to. Like, my, my headphones keep coming in and out. God. I would. Uh, I think. I think the question. I got about five minutes left. With the question of the NBA right now is, what is Brooklyn going to look like going forward? One of the best offensive teams of all time, and one of the worst defensive teams of all time. Is it championship or bust? No them? doubt. With this mm. collection of talent, no doubt. I disagree. And the reason why I – okay, so the reason why I disagree, I didn't disagree at the beginning of the week. But somebody made – and I 
cannot remember who it was. But there was a reporter on ESPN, and I listened to ESPN and a bunch of sports shows all week because I just have time while I'm driving. I cannot remember who it was. But he mentioned that when LeBron came to Miami, how it took D-Wade and Bosh like it one year to at least learn how to play with each other in mesh. So I feel, in my opinion... That if Brooklyn doesn't win this year, that doesn't mean it was a failed season necessarily. I think next season, assuming they're all there, if they don't win, that's a failed season. But not this season. But, Jason, think back. That 2011 Miami Heat team, that was championship or bust. Because they lost to the Dallas Mavericks and have been getting – like, think about how – much backlash LeBron got no one was sitting there like oh wow great job guys like you you took a big step we're excited for you guys next year no it was holy cow that was the biggest like uh upset in NBA finals history the biggest choke job that we've ever seen no and I get it I get it but I think looking at it now I, st- I don't know. I don't think it would be championship or bust this season. I think next season. I think you're looking at it with hindsight, though. We're in it right now. Right. And the Brooklyn, the reason this Brooklyn Nets team was put together was to win a championship. And what better time than the present? it have to be this year? Don't you think they would want it to be this year? Well, of course, every team wants it to be this year. Well, but... then that's why they traded for James Harden this early. Yeah. If they weren't in championship or bust mode, then they would have kept held on to Karis LeVert, uh, tried to run it back next year with Spencer Dinwiddie, tried to uh, retool in the offseason and get more defensive players. They would have kept Jared Allen as a rim protector. Like this team, if they weren't, if they had patience, then they wouldn't have made this deal. Right. And I get that argument too. Well, it's the truth and nothing but the truth. Okay, Paul Pierce. (laughs) And then uh, just because we still got like a minute and a half left, uh, our Kings are – they're not looking – Yeah, they're tanking for a top three pick. I don't even think they're tanking. I just (laughs) think they're – they just – yeah. (laughs) It's just – it hasn't hasn't been fun, honestly, to watch them this year. Ruining great Fox performances. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 43 points L big L well they are I think historically like one of the worst defensive teams of all time well this season is not doing them any so that's like a good distinction that you would want as a franchise (laughs) (laughs) hey we gotta gotta love them man yeah stick with them so you gotta stick with them through the good and the bad you know so All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 75 of Nothing to Say the Fans podcast. If you have stuck with us this long, we really appreciate it. Going forward, we're going to have a more set schedule with our release dates. I know we were a bit bumpy there during the holiday season, but we got it done. So, Again, thank you all so much for listening to episode 75, and we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone.